Mandy France here, welcoming you to my podcast, Find Your Beautiful, Life Through the Eyes of a Christian Disabled Woman. Happy Valentine's Day. I'll keep this intro short because you may have noticed this episode is triple the length of my usual ones. However, this is probably my favorite one to date. I'm excited for you to listen to this beautiful love story of my friends, Matt and Nicole. Join us as we talk love, life, and disability. So if you can um, start off introducing yourself. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Matt. Um, I'm 31 uh, and I have a disability called osteogenesis imperfecta. It's uh, type 1. Um, and it's usually referred to as OI, so you'll be hearing me uh, mention OI a lot. Um, it means that my bones can break easier than most people. I've had about 35 fractures and a bunch of sprains and strains. Um, there's a lot of variability with OI, though. So some people only have a few fractures and others have hundreds. Um, so, you know, I'm sort of somewhere uh, more toward the, the milder side. Um, but I do use a wheelchair to avoid getting injured from falling. I, uh, I use a manual chair, um, you know, for short distances and then a power chair, definitely if I'm like going outside or anything like that. Um, so my, I think for non-disabled people hearing that someone who's had, you know, like 35 fractures is on the mild side of the disability is probably very shocking (laughs) yes um that's that's a very common like even with other people that um that are disabled but they're not as familiar with oi they're like whoa and i'm like yeah no that's that's actually not bad like so i yeah nicole doesn't bat my lash now um you know when it comes to (laughs) how many or anything like that so um yeah that's that I I, even for me hearing that many fractures you know I for the first time in my 33 years um I broke my leg last year um yeah so I I broke my femur I actually fell um and my femur wow um and it was not a good experience at all so definitely even as someone who's also disabled like you said hearing you know that that's like a milder um version of what it could be is definitely shocking so that's yeah 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 no i mean i i'll i'm on um a facebook group for people with oi and like just some of the you know some of the stories i hear where it's like oh yeah you know I'm at 80 or 90 or I lost count or stuff like that. And I'm just like, whoa, you know. Um, So it's kind of funny because I'll almost have the same reaction that other people have when they hear 35. So um, it's, it's kind of funny how there's like that same, that same reaction just keeps repeating. Um, Yeah. And one of the things I talk about a lot on this podcast is, the fact that disability is such a spectrum and that diagnosis can look so different in different people. Um, So I I definitely resonate with that. Um, Having arthrogryposis, I know 
a lot of people who have different levels of ability where it affects them more, affects them less. So I pretty much say the same thing. I'm kind of in this mid range. Um, So I definitely resonate with this idea of all disability as a spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it is, it's such a disability itself is such a broad umbrella term. Um, Right. You know, because you're talking about it affecting, you know, literally any part of your body so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um awesome and so how about nicole yeah uh so my fiance's name is nicole she's 31 and has cerebral palsy which causes involuntary movements of her limbs and it also affects her speech and makes it difficult for people to understand her unless they're used to how she speaks so i'm going to be speaking uh for her but um, we both kind of wrote out ahead of time, we, you know, what we wanted to say to you, and um, she can chime in, uh, you know, if she needs to, but um, just to make the, you know, make it easier to um, to to talk on the podcast, we figured we'd do that. So, um, uh, so uh, yeah. yeah, so a little more about Nicole. So, um, so she uses a power wheelchair to get around, and she has an aide who helps take care of her daily needs. Um, and uh, so we'd actually, we we started dating in June of 2012. Um, and then uh, in 2015, Nicole moved out of her parents' house. Uh, then a year later, I moved in with her after I finished grad school. And we adopted a cute Yorkie named Bean uh, soon after that. Um, and then we're planning on getting married once once COVID is over. Uh, we keep having to postpone because of how crazy this has been. But, you know, we you uh, we know we'll get there eventually. You guys had a date scheduled, right, yeah. already? Yep. Yeah. The last year. Yeah. So, you know. Gotcha. Um, so I know this wasn't one of the questions, but no, I'm pretty sure people in my circle are going to want to know this. But um, you kind of expressed... Um, what I think a lot of, especially non-disabled people would view as high needs um, that Nicole has. So I'm just curious about that experience, Nicole, of moving out of your parents' house and into your own place. I think even for non-disabled people, um, you know, it can be challenging to, to move out and be on your own. So just curious about that experience for you, if you're willing to share. <laughs> It was actually a relief. Because, <laughs> because at the time, uh, her mom was her primary caretaker. Gotcha. And over time. And over time, it just like wore her out. But uh, Nicole had had AIDS set up already um, before she moved out. So she had, um, she did services to help her go to college. And then um, even, uh, even around times when she wasn't 
in school. So it, it wasn't like 24 hours, but um, she definitely did have uh, like a, a transition of, of support through, at, a, at a Hofstra. Right. So she had a whole kind of transition of she decided to go to Hofstra to dorm there. Um, and so then with that, she had 24 hour uh, AIDS. Then she moved back home for a little bit and then got her own place. So, uh. gotcha. Yeah. Um, and how about for you, Matt, moving, moving in with Nicole, what was that experience like? Um, so I had, I, in a way it was, it was similar in that. Um, so for me, I, I did, uh, undergrad from home, uh, with my parents, but then for grad school, I, I ended up dorming. And with that, um, with that, I was actually staying there, uh, 12 months out of the year. And so that was, that was kind of a, a transition for me because um, that was the first time that I had been on my own and um, I mean thankfully with me as long as I'm not injured or anything um, then I, I usually don't really need much help so um, so I was pretty independent um, and then uh, moving moving in with Nicole it was um, I mean we'd already we'd already been together for so long before that that um i don't really think it was that much of a transition i mean there was some but it, it wasn't you know um nah. it, it certainly we'd also like we spent we spent a lot of time you know staying with each other for the weekend and stuff like that so it wasn't you know it wasn't like oh you know you're dating someone for a year and then you move in and you're like, what you do, what, huh? You know, um, I wouldn't say we had that much of that. You know. Gotcha. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like Nicole oh, said, and she like, she grew up with a brother and <laughs> so she's used to messy. So <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That at least made the transition easier. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So I feel like that's a good segue into more about your love story. Uh. Sure. Yeah. So, um. So we uh we both attended the Henry Viscardi School, um or HVS uh, and um, for your listeners who might not know, uh, it's a school for uh, students with disabilities. Um, so all of the students there uh, have different disabilities. Um, so Nicole was a grade uh, above me. And um, even though HVS is a really small school, um, we, we didn't really talk. Uh, it's, it's an interesting situation because the school is so small that like everyone, for the most part, everyone knows of each other. Um, but it's, you know, not necessarily that everyone actually knows each other. So, um, yeah, I would know. say even for me, so, cause we actually all attended the same school. So right. I would say I connected with both of you way more after, um, right. graduated, even though right. I, I knew who you guys were in school. Yeah, no, exactly. Same. Yeah. So, uh, 
actually in a similar way. So um, Nicole and I really only started uh, hanging out with each other as friends after we had both graduated. Um, we were hanging out with a, a mutual friend of ours, and that's that's kind of how we we started, um, you know, just started talking. And then uh, about maybe six months after, so Nicole already graduated, um, and then about six months after after I graduated, we started an alumni association together, um, and so that was one way uh, that we got closer. And um, Nicole had actually. As she uh, took on a leadership position um, in in that really uh, just to try and get closer to me. So um, you know, well, I wouldn't say just that was that was one reason, but um, <laughs> you know that that was definitely uh, a motivating factor. Um, so so Nicole, you were into Matt first. Is that kind of how it worked? Yeah, okay. uh, she'd actually had a crush on me for. Um, by the time we started dating, uh, she had a crush on me for about three years, and wow. I didn't have a clue. Um, so, and then I, I would say any time I did have a clue, she would just like, you know, immediately do whatever she could to like downplay it and tamp it down. And so, you know, yeah, she got scared. So, uh, so tell me how this um, clip that we're going to be uh, hearing yeah. plays into all of this. Uh, so we had started the Alumni Association. That's how we had um, become friends. We started getting closer as well as just kind of hanging out with uh, this mutual friend of ours. When we were friends, Nicole introduced me to the TV show, uh, The Big Bang Theory. We um, We have a clip from it that will help to explain uh, kind of how we got together. Well, let's see. We might consider Schrodinger's cat. Schrodinger? Is that the woman in 2A? No, that's Mrs. Grossinger. And she doesn't have a cat. She has a Mexican hairless, annoying little animal. Yep, you shall then. <laughs> Sorry, you diverted me. Anyway. <laughs> In 1935, Erwin Schrodinger, in an attempt to explain the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum physics, he proposed an experiment where a cat is placed in a box with a sealed vial of poison that will break open at a random time. Now, since no one knows when or if the poison has been released, until the box is opened, the cat can be thought of as both alive and dead. I'm sorry, I don't get the point. Well, of course you don't get it. I haven't made it yet. <laughs> you have to be psychic to get it, and there's no such thing as psychic. Show them what's the point! Just like Schrodinger's cat, your potential relationship with Leonard right now can be thought of as both good and bad. It is only by opening the box that you'll find out which it is. Okay, so you're saying I should go out with Leonard. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let me start again. In 1935, Leonard <laughs> Schrodinger... Thank you. You look very nice. Thank you. So do you. <laughs> <laughs> I made an eight o'clock reservation. Okay, yeah, great. Listen, um, maybe we should talk first. Oh. Okay. But before you say anything, have you ever heard of Schrodinger's cat? 
Actually, I've heard far too much about Schrodinger's cat. Good. All right, the cat's alive. Let's go to dinner. If you um, want to just share a little bit more on the clip or... Yeah, yeah. so years before we had even started watching the show, um, when Nicole saw, uh, when she first saw that episode, she thought to herself, oh my God, um, if I ever tell Matt how I feel, um, that's exactly how I'm going to tell him. And so kind of the backstory with that is the uh, the day before we were supposed to be meeting a mutual friend to hang out, um, Nicole had told me that our friend uh, thought that I liked her, the mutual friend. And um, the thing is, I didn't. Uh, and so that day that we were going to be seeing each other, um, I kind of decided to spend most of my time talking to Nicole. And at some point, uh, she had mentioned that she had a crush on a guy in college at her school, which was not me. Uh, at that time. And so, um, although she did have a crush on me, but not the one she was talking about. But later that night, um, I kind of realized how much fun I had with her, especially after spending most of the day with her. And we ended up talking that night and we were kind of talking about just how messy friendships can get uh, when friends start developing feelings for each other. And we were initially talking about this situation with our mutual friend but eventually we kind of realized that we were both beating around the bush about how we actually felt toward each other. So Nicole um, already knew, you know, how she felt about me uh, for a long time, having the crush for three years and everything. But for me, I, I almost think it was really that day that, um, that it really hit me. Uh, I think it was just a combination of both spending time with her and then maybe hearing that she had a crush on someone else that kind of pushed me to, you know, to go ahead. Um, Very smooth move. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so anyway, so after we were kind of, that was not, oh, that wasn't even her plan, but. Um, but it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it, it worked. Right. So, um, so yeah, so we had, you know, we were beating around the bush for a while and then I kind of hinted at my feelings by saying, this reminds me of Schrodinger's cat uh, from, you know, that, that episode with the clip. And when I said that, um, you know, Nicole says, like, she couldn't believe that this might be happening and that this was the way that she had planned years ago, you know, that if she were ever to tell me, this is how she would. So she closed her eyes, took a deep breath. And then she asked me, you know, is the cat alive or dead? Meaning, do uh, do we have feelings for each other um, or not? So neither of us wanted to answer um, because we were both just, you know, so shy and nervous. But finally, uh, she did answer first and then so did I. And now we've been together for eight and a half years. So... That is awesome. Yes, yeah, yeah. Nicole's adding in. So she's like, I, I waited a day to tell her because the, I don't know what time it was at that point. Maybe like three in the morning. Um, no? 12? 12? 
12? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I'm like, yes, I think. But I, I, I was like just starting to, yeah. you know, uh, she goes, I was yelling at him. Like, so, so what is it? And um, I think for me, it was just like, well, you know, I, I think I only kind of realized this like today and I haven't had a chance to really turn this over. And I'm like, what if, you know, I don't know, I wake up tomorrow and I'm like, oh man, what, what was that all about? Um, but uh, I, I couldn't even sleep that night. And like, as soon as I got up, I was like, yeah, no, th- this is, this is definitely real. This, um, That's awesome. Well, you mentioned at the start when you were introducing yourselves that you and Nicole are engaged. So if you can kind of tell us that, I had the honor of seeing the video of you getting engaged. Um, Yeah, sure. I'd love to hear how that happened. Yeah. Since the Big Bang Theory show was such an integral part to how we ended up uh, being together, if only because I think... If, if that episode hadn't been written, I really don't know if either of us would have ever gotten the guts to say anything. So uh, it. so it, it was always kind of in my mind that if I were to propose and then eventually it became, you know, when I was going to propose, um, how would I kind of work this in? And what I decided to do, and I, I really didn't think this had a chance of happening, but um, I decided to be like, hey... You know, maybe there's a way that I can write to the cast of The Big Bang Theory. And I don't know, maybe we could like go to see a taping of it or something. And I wrote out a letter just explaining um, our story. But I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't know how to get this to anyone. I mean, you're not going to get it to like the actual cast member or someone, you know, directly. So I'm trying to think, you know, who's someone that I know that may have some access somewhere. And oddly enough, it was through our alumni association that we'd started together all those years ago. I reached out to the person who had, who was then the current president who took over after me. She's just the kind of person that would have connections. And she didn't, uh, she didn't have anyone, but um, she knew someone who was actually uh, an alumni uh, and he worked at CBS uh, Sports, I think. And that was on the East Coast, they tape on the West Coast. Um, But he was able to uh, write to his counterpart on the West Coast and reach out to them. Uh, And within a couple months of when I wrote, we pretty much had a plan of, would we be able to get tickets to a show? And and we, we got, we got tickets and everything, and then they were planning out, you know, okay, at what point uh, during the taping could they kind of toss it over to me and, you know, give me a mic and let me um, propose in front of, uh, like, the, the studio audience that's there and everything. And It was we, a pretty great video. And, yeah. Nicole, you seemed very surprised. <laughs> yes, she was very, very surprised. Um, yeah, she was so unfortunately on the trip there, Nicole was feeling pretty sick. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So d during the during the trip, she was she was extremely sick, just just nauseous and everything. Yeah, she, she just said she threw up multiple times. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, during the oh, taping, I'm sure that made it even more memorable. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something. Um, actually, so this is kind of a a funny uh, story. Yeah. Yeah, Nicole was so dazed and confused and dehydrated and just oh my god. Um, so was this all part of your plan, Matt? Get her sick. Right, right, exactly. Shocks and <laughs> right, right. Get no her, give her a stomach yes. virus and yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we we've kind of talked about um, you guys doing so much. You know, moving in together, this level of independence that I think is still, again, like very surprising not even to just non-disabled people, but I think even a lot of people with disabilities who still feel like they can't um, achieve that level of independence. But I do want to talk about some challenges. So yeah. um, what is the greatest challenge that you face together um, because of your disabilities? Uh, so at first, um, Nicole's main concern was that she would accidentally injure me or uh, break one of my bones because of her involuntary movements um and they can uh, they can be really strong and sudden especially her right arm which uh we all kind of say has a mind of its own <laughs> and so uh in school she actually had two kids in her class that had um a why the you know the same disability as me so she was you know well aware of how easily i could be injured and it's it's kind of sweet and silly. Uh, before our first date, we actually figured out um, how we could safely hug by me drawing a diagram in Microsoft Paint. Um, and it had uh, her right arm drawn in red with the word danger in all caps pointing to it um, <laughs> in this like silly little diagram we had. Um, you know, so we, we had to be mindful of like, how we were gonna park our chairs to get close to each other, make sure to turn them off. Um, actually, Nicole still kind of has to remind me to to turn my power chair off sometimes when I'm always, she says. So, um, but, uh, or a, another example would be like, say we're um, in a movie theater where the sound's very loud, Nicole can easily be startled. Um, and so she always makes sure that I'm on I'm on her left side and not her right side, um, so that way you know if she jumps she doesn't uh, punch me in the face. So, I mean that was you know that was definitely that was one of her her main um, concerns. For for me, um, the first few years I think it it was a big challenge, really for for both of us was um, we were sort of in a long distance relationship even though we only lived one county away from each other. Um, so for me to get to Nicole, um, because I didn't drive, I would need to plan to travel uh, three hours each way by taking a paratransit bus from my home to a mall that was on the border of our two counties, and then another paratransit bus 
that would pick me up at the mall and take me to her place in her county. Um, and so for part of our relationship, um, when Nicole would see me, she relied on her parents to drive her. And then at a, at a later time, when she was on her own, she would have to take two trains for about an hour and a half each way um, just to get to me. And yeah, so, this is definitely like something I think a lot of people don't even understand. Yeah. Um, just, you know, like so paratransit, you know, for those who may not be as familiar, uh, is basically kind of this subset of transportation under, um, at least here in New York, New York City, the MTA does Accessoride. And I know Long Island has um, Able Ride, which is yep. kind of the same. Uh, operates similarly Um, and basically they're supposed to uh, pick you up from your home and take you from point A to point B Uh, but they are notoriously uh, unreliable (laughs) in a lot of ways Um, always showing up late or not uh, not sticking around and leaving people so reliable transportation is very difficult for people who have mobility issues in particular but anyone who really relies on paratransit um so i definitely remember those days um and even now just for me to go to work sometimes you know it's two or three buses and a train and you have to find an accessible train and all of the extra challenges of of being able to travel so i i think you know that's a great point that just being one county away is long distance for some people yeah absolutely i mean um... i think you make another really good point too is I talk a lot on this podcast about how the world is not really designed for people with disabilities. And so we don't really expect the world to adapt to us. We adapt to the world in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, And so this idea of planning that goes into just simple things like going to visit your girlfriend. Right. um, I think it's, you know, people don't realize how much planning goes into things. And, you know, I've had friends, especially when I was in college, that would, you know, call me the day of an event and just say, hey, do you want to come? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, oh, I that can't. never, like, right. No, yeah. I need to know, you know, yeah, like, at I, least a few I got to know ahead. a week in advance. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a really great point just of the disability experiences that the, you know, typical life things do take more planning and plotting to achieve. Yeah, um, the, the way I usually like to describe it is, so I'm I'm actually uh, left-handed and if any of your listeners who are left-handed will know this, the world is really not designed around you. Um, <laughs> and so it's like that, but turned up to 11. Um, and yeah, it's my always, husband's you know, also left-handed, and, yeah. and so he says the same thing. <laughs> right, yeah, it's just, you know, you have to um, just try and adapt your way of, of doing things. So, In terms of something that, like, currently um, that impacts us, because, you know, now I don't think Nicole's as worried about uh, her breaking something on me, and, right. and we're not having to rely on that transportation to see each other um the thing is is that most of the same things that impact one of us impact both of us like wheelchair accessibility if we want to go somewhere or do something so um you know it's in terms of these challenges it's not really 
as a couple now, there's not really much that is um, that that's really that different because um, you know we 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 do face a lot of the same obstacles, even though Nicole you know does have twenty four hour aids and and all that. Um, we we still end up facing a lot of the same obstacles. So um, another thing that we were kind of thinking about was, you know, if there is something it, aside from that, it's that neither of us is able to take care of each other completely. Um, so like I can get things for Nicole or, you know, do things um, that she can't because she just doesn't have the, uh, the dexterity to do, um, but like I'm not able to lift her in, a, in and out of her chair, for example. Um, and then for me, I don't really need much help, like I said, unless I'm, you know, healing from an injury. So it doesn't really matter that you know that she can't um, help me. But it is something that you know we definitely have to work around. That okay, you know, she she needs to have an aid 24/7 and you know, and that's fine. I mean, we, you know, we work, we work around it. We have a good, um, a good routine. Nicole is uh, two very great aides that have been with her for a long time now. So, um, and and oh yeah, and we have a plan for like if I if I were to break something, what would we do? Um, you know, when it comes to having a need, you know, if I need help with stuff. So, um, and even like, even now, you know, if it's something small, um, you know, like lifting something really heavy, I'll, I'll ask one of our aides, it's no problem. Like it's, it's fine. Um, or, you know, let's say like they're sitting down or something and maybe they're eating or whatever. Nicole needs something to drink. I'll go grab that. Like it's, um, it, it's, it's gotten very natural. Um, and at the same time, though, like her, you know, her aides are very good at like just giving, giving her space, giving the two of us space. So it's yeah. really, you know, um, it's really just like, yeah, there's someone here that's like, you know, just sitting down at a table and just waiting for whenever Nicole needs something. So, you know, yeah. so I, I would so say with, that's, with, that's it oh, as far with, as with all of that you know, um, and obviously not delving you know deep into your like personal life beyond what you're comfortable sharing but I know you know one of the biggest questions that I've gotten and that people have just asked even as a result of this podcast is you know how does having this kind of third person or somebody there all the time and even just having the level of disabilities that you guys have um, affect intimacy like are you guys able to connect um, you know, beyond friendship in a physical way. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Good. Because I, I know that, like I said, that's going to be the question that everyone's going to ask yes. is just having someone there 24 7. Yeah. Um, you know, for some people, just not having that privacy or having that alone time, especially to non disabled people, it's, you know, yeah, no, mind boggling I mean, that you can have that time. <laughs> it's like it, it, it can be like a little awkward, but you know, Nicole will just say, like, hey, can I go lay down? And then, you know, her aide will get her in bed, and that's it. So, um, you know, and like I said, even just in terms of, you know, just just having, like, 
just having time of not having someone like hovering around you doesn't even need to be that we're really doing anything it's just you know just having that um that alone time together of just you know just talking or watching something and not like not feeling like you're like i don't know just having like a third wheel there all the time it's not um Mm -hmm. it's it's just important i think to you know to have um i don't know it's just kind of like the elephant in the room so like you may as well just kind of address it and you know and and have a plan for you know for how you want to um how you want to navigate that you know that whole uh relationship with having another person there so my next question then um since we did talk about some of the challenges is you know how has having a disability or both of you having disabilities made your relationship better right um so nicole was also just adding that that's how um you know that's how she decides to uh to handle it with her aids but it i think as as you know as you know with disability because it is so broad um there are so many different um there's so many different strategies and ways for addressing all kinds of needs and issues so just sort of as a general thing i would say that what works for us may work for other people but at the same time that that's not to say that it will work for everyone you know as as far as how being disabled has made our relationship better Nicole and I, we, we both kind of feel that dating someone who already has a disability makes it much easier when you're starting out because you don't have all this like societal baggage of misconceptions and awkwardness that you have to educate the other person through. You can really just focus on building a relationship, not like a relationship, you know, despite uh, you know, disability or anything like that. And so, you know, we we do also agree, though, that the transportation issues that we had, in a way, it was actually a good thing because it helped to test our commitment to each other early on. Um, just because if you're willing to travel for six hours just to see someone, you know, a few times a month, um, or in Nicole's case, like, even if I was going to her, on the way back, like she would be waiting outside with me in the cold, in the cold, and quite literally in the snow um, at times, you know. And we're just waiting there for an unreliable bus, um, and so it just kind of it shows to yourself and to the other person how committed you are. If like if this is just like a fling, I I can't can't really see someone being that willing to go through those lanes just to see them so yeah so in in a weird way it's it's kind of it's helped our relationship you know the things that are the most challenging i'm sure your listeners are familiar with this idea is just that it's not even like the disability itself it's the way that society doesn't match or try to that well at least match um disability so really the the most challenging part of it is not um the person and their individual 
symptoms or anything. It's the environment that they live in that is really the most limiting. So basically what I'm hearing is like the fact that society and the world was not really designed with disabled people in mind in some ways brought you guys closer together because of the challenges that you had to face in your relationship early on and the level of commitment that you had to show each other, which, you know, non-disabled people can probably take a little bit longer yeah. <laughs> to kind of show that level of commitment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as well as just like, you know, like I was kind of saying that there's a certain comfortability where it's, it, it's weird. It, it's something that like is so common in your life that, Okay, so it, it would be like the idea of having to kind of constantly explain your lived experience to another person. Um, you don't have to do that because they, in a lot of ways, have had the same experience. So, um, you know, so you yeah, don't have and, to explain and... the problems with paratransit because you know what it's like, you know, so... Um, yeah. So that's definitely something that that was easy. And I've shared um, my story as well. So, you know, you guys know I'm married to a person who doesn't identify as like physically disabled. Right. Um, so, you know, those were definitely like challenges that we faced and kind of in the same way that you're saying those things helped you guys to be able to be closer together, that level of understanding. Yeah. Um, the education part can also as challenging as it can be, it can also be something that can draw people together. So I just don't want people to be oh, no, no, no. Um, afraid of thinking, no, like, oh, I um, should just, you know, stay with a disabled person. Yeah, but oh, absolutely I, not. Um, no, we uh, actually, a bit later on, we were going to talk about that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, awesome. Yeah, so um, I'll jump into the next question yeah, sure. um, as we're starting to wrap up here. Um, so one of the things that I, you know, get the most, one of the questions I get the most from my single disabled friends is, you know, how did you find love? Like, what did you do? And I always try and tell people, you know, there's no magical thing. Right. <laughs> like, there's no magical thing that I did. Right. Um, but what advice can you offer to disabled people who are looking for love? Yes. Um, and uh, I would even, uh, I would even broaden that a bit to say, um, also for people who are thinking of, you know, maybe being in a relationship with someone uh, who has a disability, I think this would, would also be relevant to them. So, um, but we, we thought about it. And the main thing is to not let um, disability be the determining factor when, uh, when you're looking for someone. But it's nuanced. So, by that we mean, you know, don't limit yourself as a disabled person to either I only want to date another disabled person or I don't want to date another disabled person. Um, mm. Disabled people can have internalized ableism where we look at, you know, being with someone who isn't disabled um, is sort of like this, this ideal or this dream thing, you know, and it's like, oh, so that's like, I don't want to be with someone like me because I see someone like me as a negative thing. And so, you know, we, we kind of think of this as if you see it that way and only that way, 
um, then it can be limiting to you. And it's just not really a healthy way to, to think about disability and about yourself of, you know, of, of wanting to limit yourself to only someone that, um, you know, that uh, doesn't have a, a disability. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you should limit yourself to only dating other disabled people. Um, you know, the, the thing that you should look for is a relationship like any other relationship where you love each other, you're compatible, you can communicate well, um, because all of those are the things that any relationship should be built on. And so it's really just, you know, having having an open mind to, well, hey, do I have a connection with this person or not? We can figure out all of the mechanics of it. And, you know, if it comes to needing to educate the person, explain things, all that, that's, that can work out totally fine because, I mean, you're an example of that. So um, what matters most is the connection that you have um, with that person. So in our case, we happen to both be disabled because we had a connection, we knew each other, you know, and, and that's just how it worked out. But there's definitely a world where um, we both could have made connections with two people that uh, aren't disabled and, you know, and been with them. So um, this is awesome. just, you know, how it happened to work out for us. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, all of that's super insightful. And I definitely agree with all of it, too. Just I, I like what you said about, you know, not limiting yourself either way. Right. Um, and that idea of uh, disabled people kind of having this internalized ableism, um, I think is really such a powerful statement. You know, I, I think that especially in this climate where we're all fighting for equal rights and the disability movement has really come to the forefront of people's minds. Um, people don't realize how fractured the disability community is within itself, yes. how people with different disabilities, you know, have prejudices and stigmas yes. against yes. other types of disabilities. Right. So I think that's been one of the biggest barriers to our community being able to move forward. You know, um, I often look to like the LGBTQ community and how they've really like rallied together and, you know, a across so many different things, class right. and race and everything. Right. And they've been able to rally together and really make some progress um, on their equal rights. Right. And I think yeah. that we definitely need to be more unified as well, just as a community in order to achieve those same outcomes. So I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So I, I do think, you know, it's, it's really, it's unfortunately that kind of internalized depression is really just it's a result of, in my opinion, just being in an oppressive society. And so naturally you're gonna adopt, whether you really mean to or not, you know, you're gonna, um, your, your default position may be to adopt some of those very same, some, some of those very same beliefs. And so it's important, you know, not just to be educating other people, but to be on guard um, for yourself. And so that's why, you know, talking about things like internalized ableism, um, or even, you know, even you may be disabled, but, you know, making sure that you're not, you know, holding, uh, 
ableist ideas and expectations of other disabled people or people with different disabilities from you, um, it's it's really important. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, so the last question then before we wrap up and I let you guys enjoy the rest of the evening um, is, you know, is there anything that you want non-disabled people to know about you or your relationship? So I, I think maybe the, this would be a good time to um, to kind of tell tell you a funny story. Um, so uh, and and I mean we have I oh my god it, it we have so many um, but one one time in particular um, we were having dinner at a restaurant by ourselves um, and you know Nicole's aide was around but um, she was like sitting alone at the bar and we were at her table um, and a stranger asked her aide like you know why aren't you staying with them why aren't you over there. And, uh, and her aide said, you know, they're, they're on a date. So, and the person replied, they can do that. Um, and yeah. they were shocked. So, yeah. um, so in terms of, you know, just things that we would want non-disabled people to know is, uh, first off to that lady who was shocked. Yes, we can do that. And we can do a lot more. Um, so, you know, <laughs> just because, so for Nicole, you know, just because someone um, either has difficulty speaking or maybe they maybe they can't verbally communicate at all, it doesn't mean that they don't understand you and that they aren't, you know, full people with thoughts and emotions just like you. Um, and really, it's actually just a, a good rule of thumb uh, for any disability is disabled people are just like you. We have lives outside of our home. Um, we love, we date, we work, we go shopping, we have sex, we marry, we can raise children. Um, and certainly I'm sure you've talked about that. Um, I have. <laughs> you know, and uh, we can take care of pets. Um, you know, we want the same things out of life that anyone else does. Um, we just happen to accomplish things uh you know a little bit differently and and with some help but um you know with with patience and working at things we can reach the same things and want the same things that that anyone else does amen to that yep. <laughs> and i think that's like a great way to close yeah sure. this episode so thank you both so much for taking the time out and just taking time to think through these questions and really for your transparency, just yeah. being so willing to share your story and letting me delve into your personal lives no, as well. No, this um, was fun. I know it's helpful, yeah. definitely helpful to people. Yeah. Wasn't that an awesome interview? I'd love to hear your unique stories, whether in a relationship or flying solo. Download the Anchor mobile app and leave me a voice message. Before I let you go, please be sure to like my Facebook page, Mandy Box Beauty. Every Friday night, I host a live fireside chat where you can get to know me better and learn about important updates, like the fact that I purchased my website domain so you can now find this podcast and much more at mandyboxbeauty.com. I did not forget that February is Black History Month. 
Join me next week to learn about the history behind the celebration and the intersection between being Black and disabled. Till next time, beauties.